if you can do a deal that just makes a lot of money and you maximize the return on that, look for those opportunities and then be ready. Any kind of competition or any kind of game, you wait, wait, wait. And when the opportunity is there, you run and you take it. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times, and they have been a previous sponsor, and they love working with the best ever listeners, and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, George Newberry. How you doing, my friend? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And you are an interview guest by request. One of my investors slash loyal listeners, he was like, George Newberry is doing some amazing things and you should interview him. I was like, okay, I will. And you've actually been on the show before in a roundtable probably two, two and a half years ago. And I'm looking forward to having a focused conversation with you. A little bit about George. He's the founder and CEO of American Homeowner Preservation. He utilizes regulation A plus to crowdfund the purchase of non-performing mortgages from banks at big discounts. He is based in Chicago, Illinois, and you can say hi to him at his company website, A hpfund.com. So with that being said, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. My background is I've been in real estate for 27 years. I started out working for a mortgage company. Within a couple of years, I started my own mortgage company and I progressed into buying properties. I eventually built a portfolio of over 4,000 apartments across the country. And then an ice storm hit my biggest complex, which was 1,100 units And it kind of triggered a freak series of events, which ended up with me losing everything and actually being $26 million in debt, which I could not pay. So it was going from tens of millions in net worth, 4,000 apartments to essentially nothing. And even a negative was a humbling situation. But I tried to make the best of it by starting this company, which is American Homeowner Preservation. And what we do is we purchase pools of defaulted mortgages from banks and hedge funds. And then we try to use my experience as a debtor overwhelmed with debt to craft novel strategies to reach out to these homeowners and achieve consensual solutions expeditiously, which do two things. We deliver financially transformative solutions to the families, as well as generate extraordinary returns financially for our investors. So really, it sounds cliche, but it's a win-win-win all around. The only loser you could argue is the bank or the hedge fund, but we're basically paying what they would sell these loans for anyway. We're executing strategies that recover more faster than most of the other firms in the space. I want to focus the majority of our time on the American Homeowner Preservation Company, but clearly I have to ask about the ice storm just to close the loop on that. 
an ice storm hits over a thousand of your units that triggered a series of events where you lost everything. Will you elaborate? Sure. So one thing I didn't know was that if you have a really large insurance claim, the insurance companies will do everything they can to not pay it. And in fact, in this case, we had to go to court to get them to pay just extraordinary damages at this property. And it took a lawsuit and 11 months before they settled. And when you have 1,100 units with homes, units, many that were barely habitable as a result of the storm or inhabitable, resulted in the city taking action against me to try and evacuate the property and whatnot. And I got a temporary restraining order against the city. We ended up in a high-profile public battle, which ended up very negative. But to prevent that, first, I started borrowing on all my units that were on my buildings that were doing well. I took loans on those to try to do the rehab, but I just couldn't borrow enough because mm-hmm. there was so much damage. And just to give you an indication, in the end, I settled for $32 million. So huge amount of money. You sell more. That's great. Congratulations. But no, it's really the opposite because the damages were over $45 million. Mm-hmm. And I had exhausted all my resources. And I finally got the $32 million. I paid back some of the contractors and whatnot. And even then, it wasn't enough. And the city... By that point, I was in a battle with the city, and it's cliche to say you can't fight City Hall, and really I couldn't, and I used a lot of resources legally against the insurance company, then against the city. In the end, I lost. The city owns the property today. The city wanted the property. They got the property, and it was such a crazy series of events. There's a political theater. Once in a while, you hear about somebody who's just taking a beating in the press, and you say, God, what you what happened here? In this case, it was me. I was actually arrested and it was pure political theater. I have no criminal record, but they arrested me and it was front page in the media there. And it was all this kind of exercise to eventually get the property. So the city owns the property today. It's the largest property in the city of Columbus. And it was so crazy that eventually I wrote a book about it because I couldn't keep explaining. This is a book (laughs) called Burn Zones which I should get you a copy, Joe. And actually, if any of your listeners want it, just let me know and send an email to you or me and I'll send you a free copy, a signed copy even. And it tells the story of how I made millions and how I lost millions and then okay. how the birth of American homeowner preservation. Wow. Is it available on Amazon as well? Absolutely. Okay, so hey, I'm just going to buy it on Amazon. I'll do that. Okay, so one final question I do have to ask. $45 million from an ice storm? What happened? Oh my God. So here's what happened. So you have three-story buildings. We had 122 three-story buildings. The ice storm knocked out power to 40% of the city, including all of our units. And temperatures were negative eight. So what happened is the power goes out, then the boilers that pump the, we had radiant heat, so the boilers that pump the hot water through all the units to keep them warm, power goes down, water stops pumping and negative eight. So all the water that was in those pipes Mm. froze and then burst once it started heating up again. And then all the domestic water froze and also burst. So we had 1,100 units, which had no electric and no water. There were thousands of families living there. The Red Cross even opened up a shelter across the street. It was the largest federally declared disaster in Ohio history. And we were probably one of the largest single point of damage. So it was a challenging situation. And we called in an international disaster remediation company that was recommended. And in fairness, they ended up running huge bills. They had hundreds of people there every day. They were pumping water out of the basement. 
They were trying to dry the units. They were providing temporary power. We had a power trucked in because we were out power for four days and power trucked in from all over the Northeast. It was these big generators. It was a disaster area. So almost half of that money went for mitigation. And in fairness, I kind of trusted them and they kind of ran out of control in terms of running up these bills. And I, they said it was standard and the insurance company would cover it. The insurance company balked because of just so much money. So I was naive. I'd never been in a situation like that. So that was close to 20. And then the rebuilding was just a huge ordeal, 1,100 units. You divide 25 million by 1,100 units. And then you start saying, well, actually, per unit, it's 22 grand. Mm-hmm. And they had to take down, everything had mold, so they had to take it down. It was a really bad situation, let's just say. In the end, the property was demolished. The city owns it. It's 54 acres. They have a high school on part of it, and they're doing some other development on it. The problem was it was a lower income property in one of the highest income areas of Columbus. So they really saw it as an opportunity to get rid of the tenants at this property. And that's what happened. I just purchased it's it. It's on the book. Burn zones, <laughs> playing life's bad hands. Just bought it on Amazon. Yeah. It's arriving in two days from now and I will read it probably in 24 hours. This is fascinating. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story about that, by the way, because there's a lot of lessons learned, but then also perspective because, hey, this tremendous thing happened to you and now you've transitioned and you're still living and breathing and talking about it and you've overcome it. Now you've got American homeowner preservation. So now let's focus on that. Basically from how I heard you describe it, are you basically buying distressed notes and then trying to make them perform again? Is that basically what you're doing? That is exactly right. We do, although we make them perform again or find some other resolution preferably consensual that resolves that note. So we reach out to the family and we give them three options. Number one, if you want to stay, here's what your payment is. Here's what a new payment will be. Let me give you an example. Someone owes $100,000. Maybe they bought the home 10 years ago, kind of at the height of the last bubble. And then property value dropped. So now it's worth 50. We can probably buy that loan for around 15 to 20,000. Now with that kind of discount, we can go to that family and say, hey, your old payment was 800 We can drop it to 500 And you haven't paid in three years, which is really common. So you owe $20,000 in delinquent payments. Give us $2,000 and we'll forgive the difference. And if they want to stay, that's a great deal for them. That's what they'll do. And if they don't want to stay, we'll say, hey, we'll give you $1,000. We'll forgive the loan. And then we'll get a deed in lieu. And we will sell the property to a third party. And the final one, if you want to do a lump sum settlement, you owe 100, it's worth 50, we'll take 45 and forgive the difference and release the mortgage. So most of the people do the first two. So they want to stay, they'll do a modification. And if they don't want to stay, they'll do a deed in lieu and take the cash. And we're indifferent. We don't push. I think a lot of people get in trouble in this business because they come in saying, hey, I'm going to do one of two things. I want to get everyone to reperform. I want to get everybody to get kicked out of their home and sell the REO. And you can't really mandate to the families. I think how we're successful is two ways and how we separate ourselves from the pack is that we're indifferent. We'll give them the options. The numbers are there and the numbers are all formulaic. If a home is worth $50,000, then if it's in California, Maine or Kansas, everybody's going to get the same terms. And the first day we talk to the family, we're going to give them, here are the real numbers in terms of what you can do. And if you want to go ahead, you'll have the document the next day. It's going to go very fast. And if you're leaving, then we'll have a mobile notary there within a couple of days with a check. You sign, you get the check, and it's done. 
So we try to make it very fast, very easy, and that's what really works. And it's not aggressive. It's not trying to squeeze the most money you can out of them. We just try and buy a lot of loans, run them through the formula, and try to make it work. I got the first two written down. I was trying to capture the third solution that you offer. What was it again? The third one's a lump sum settlement. So sometimes someone owes 100 on a house that's worth 50. We'll say, hey, we'll take 45. And once in a while, people have, between friends and family members, they've cobbled together the cash or they have gotten maybe an adult child who wasn't on the original loan can now qualify for new financing to buy the home from their parents. As an example, and today's low rates, that'd be a a fantastic deal. The family stays in the home, adult child lives there, and that has worked out really well in in the instances that those circumstances are online. This is all a result of when I had $26 million in debt, creditors would come to me and they do one or two things. I said, hey, I want to work out a payment plan. They would send me an application. I'd have to send all these documents back, tax returns paycheck subs and whatnot, and they determine based on that what they could squeeze out of me, and they try to get the highest payment possible that they thought I could afford without making it unaffordable. It was also long back and forth. When somebody would say, hey, you owe us a million bucks, we know you don't have it, but you can come up with 100000 we'll forgive the difference. And someone came to me with that deal, okay, well, now I know kind of what I'm working with, and let me see if I can find a way to make that work. So based on those lessons, that's what we do here. I give them the numbers from the word go. And sometimes the people say, hey, that payment works for me. I'll do it. And sometimes they say, hey, that payment's much cheaper. I could really easily afford that. I really could afford twice. I don't want the extra money. Save it because the 500 is going to make us a great return. So we're happy with it. So we try to make it super simple, super transparent. And I think that's what's really so, working for us. So it's not based on their financial circumstances. It's strictly based on what numbers make sense for you based on the acquisition price that you have? Yeah, which is a factor of the value of the property. Right. The value of the property, everything's a formula based on the value of the property. Okay. And it's always going to be something that the family will almost look at as being too good to be true. But despite that, it's still going to generate pretty extraordinary returns for us and our investors. A big piece of the puzzle is getting the enough equity on the front end in order to have the negotiating leeway to make it a win-win for everyone involved. You're absolutely right. We make our money when we buy the loan. If we pay too much, then that's going to negatively impact our returns. If we buy right, then we've made our money. We just now have to execute the strategies. Is that your biggest challenge in this business to get enough deals or loans that have the value there? At this very moment, the answer is yes. The market is very heated. Just like the real estate market's gotten very hot, so is the non-performing note market. So there's a lot of competition that's driven the prices up. So what we've ended up doing, and we've been fortunate that so far this year in that we have found some decent-sized pools where there's been a lot of kind of extraordinary circumstances, which has made it so we've been able to buy them without much competition. And we bought 1,300 loans in the last 90 days, which is probably double what we bought last year, and we bought them extremely cheap. One was from a bankrupt lender through a bankruptcy trustee sale, and the other was a court-ordered sale. So that's going to keep us busy all year, and we bought those exceptionally well. Our returns last year were 39.7%, and that's based on an audit that's filed with the SEC. This year, I mean, we're shooting to do even better. Are you market-specific, or does it not matter? My question was going to be, how do you pick the market, but does it not matter to you? 
it doesn't matter to us. And that's why I think sellers like us because we'll buy everywhere. They have a loan. We bought in every state of the union except for Wyoming and North Dakota. And we would buy, hopefully we'll buy there eventually. We bought in Alaska and Hawaii and even in Puerto Rico. And so a lender can come to us and say, last pool was 799 loans. And they can come to us and say, hey, here are 799 loans scattered. They were in 39 different states plus Puerto Rico. And we want you to buy them all. For lenders, lots of times it's a hassle when people say, oh, well, just give me California or just give me New York. Once they decide to sell, they want to sell everything. And it's much easier just to do one sale to one buyer. And so we really fill it in each. And even if the loan is some kind of crazy litigation situation or the property's been demolished by the city, we'll still buy that loan. We may pay a dollar for it, which we buy a lot of loans for $1, but we're going to move it off their servicing platform and onto ours and it's gone. So we'll buy every single loan they have. So that gives us a considerable advantage over a lot of other lenders who maybe don't have the flexibility to take on some of the stuff we do. I understand the business model for how the overall operation makes money. You have investors who invest alongside in these opportunities, correct? Correct. Okay. So how does your company make money? What fees do you charge? Sure. We charge a 2% annual management fee, which really basically offsets operations. Our big money is on the back end. So here's how the revenue flows. First, each month expenses are paid, management fees paid, and then we pay the first 12% to investors, basically 1% per month. Any extra money is used to buy more mortgages. And the funds are always five years. So the first two to three years of the fund will reinvest in additional mortgages. But sometime in the third year, we'll stop doing that. And over the second half of the fund, will be each month the investors will receive their 1% on their outstanding investment. Plus, any extra money, we'll return it to them with the goal that at the end of the fifth year, all investors have received their 12% plus all their capital back. Whatever's left is ours. Mm. And if we continue to do 39%, then that pie at the end will be pretty significant. And all our investors are paid back. They're happy they have their 12%. So everyone, cliche once again, but you know, win, win, win. Everybody's happy. But ours is backloaded. I don't like Wall Street where lots of times some of their compensation is front-loaded. We want to earn the money, get them back their money. And if we do that, then there's a big reward. If there's some big disruption, which for whatever reason, your know, returns sink, then we still want to get the investors back their money and their return. And then we just ended up with a shrunken pie at the end. Based on your experience in over 27 years of real estate, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Huh. Be patient. The markets are cyclical. Never believe that you're in a market like today, that this is going to be sustainable, that at this moment in time right now, there's a lot of people who feel the money's easy. They feel compelled to buy properties or buy notes and they lose a little bit of discipline, I think. And then the market cycle goes the other direction and all of a sudden, oh, you know, what happened? What happened? And then they're trying to cut their losses or whatnot. Right now, we're not competing in bids and I'm okay on the sidelines more or less and I'll be there for the next six months or the next year just buying opportunistically and if that means I don't buy that much that's fine because when there's disruption in the market that's when I want to be liquid that's when I want to be nimble and that's where all the opportunities present themselves this isn't a business where you have to do a deal a month or 20 deals if you can do a deal that just makes a lot of money and you maximize the return on that 
You look for those opportunities and then be ready. Any kind of competition or any kind of game, you wait, wait, wait. And when the opportunity is there, you run and you take it. But you can't try to say, hey, this year I'm going to put out $50 million because I don't know if I'm going to have the opportunities to do so. So be patient. And when the opportunity is there and the market is disrupted and everybody's running one direction, that's the time you want to have the capital to be running the other direction against the crowd buying when everyone is selling. So I'm looking forward to that. I think the market is so hot right now that that downward portion of the cycle isn't far off. And that should be a great time. I think we've set ourselves up. You know, we raise money online, $100 minimum investment. You can invest in a couple of minutes. So we really streamlined it to the fund administrator in place. We have, we have some good technology. I think we're really primed for when this disruption happens that we can really turn this up and expand significantly anyone out there, that's what I would do. It's not just specific to this portion of the cycle. Just be there. Don't feel you have to buy. Be disciplined. Know what your strategy is. And when the opportunities present themselves, get them. Because people always get bogged down with a whole bunch of stuff where there's kind of really modest returns. Look for those big opportunities. And sometimes you have to take risks to get them. I mean, I used to buy the worst properties across the country and turn them around. So I took big risks, but I did the work to make them pay off. And generally, barring the ice storm, generally they did. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep, let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read. You're stumping me, Joe. You're stumping <laughs> me. But I would say there's a really good book that I'm reading right now, which is called Fierce Conversations. I would say that's a great book. So that's top of my list right now. Best ever deal you've done? Whew. Short-term memory, the $799, we stole it. It was $799 mortgages. We, we paid under $3 million for it. We paid two point eight seven five for over $40 million in debt. That was a steal. And again, odd circumstances led to that, but it worked out. So that was my best ever deal I can think of right now. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about? I made a lot of mistakes and you just try to learn from them. I'm trying to think of a specific one where I said, ooh, I really went out on a limb and that one didn't work if, out. If nothing comes to mind, we've thoroughly covered one of them already, so that's okay. Yeah, Woodland Meadows, that's my biggest mistake in my life. How I responded to it. It's not so much the ice storm happened. I wasn't nimble. I had just what I described. I could get tunnel vision and that I'm going to rebuild this. I should have really closed the property, taken the insurance settlement, and just washed my hands and walked away and paid off all my investors. And it would have been much easier. In the end, that's kind of saddled me for the last decade. So be nimble when chaos presents itself. Take a wide view. And I didn't do that. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Huh. 
keep families in their homes. Really, I know what it feels to be overburdened with debt. So if anyone calls me with advice, like I can't afford my mortgage, I can't afford my credit cards, I can't afford my student loans, my kid can't afford their student loans, I can tell them what to do to settle that loan at a discount and get rid of that unaffordable debt. That's a huge thing for me. I think America right now is overburdened, the majority of Americans with debt. That needs to stop. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Website's ahpfund.com. You can simply email info at ahpfund.com and uh, ask me and it'll be routed to me. Well, clearly, big lesson learned on the front end and then how you responded, not only immediately after what was happening where you just talked about have the wide view, but building the company that you have now, American Homeowner Preservation, and the type of approach that you take helping families stay in their homes because you're purchasing these at a discount or giving them one other option to make things work. So appreciate you talking about that. Also talking about how your business makes money, how you structure it with investors. That's always a point of curiosity for the best ever listeners. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having a candid conversation with us about what you've been through and what you're currently focused on. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dot com forward slash show.